how long we got? Where's our destination today? I don't know. We got 20 miles to cover. Let's talk some movies. People don't know how to drive. Are we going to get lunch on this gig? You see anything good recently? Not really. Right, we got a little time, Steve. Let's do a podcast. Sounds good. And we are back, Steve. Driving around, talking movies. How you doing? I'm great. Uh, Andre, I have Oscar fever. Yes. Well, Not who the really. hell doesn't? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, long ago, Andre, you may recall that there was a year called 2020. Yeah. And there, there were movies released in that year. And uh, every year they have some awards for those movies. You may have forgotten because we're now uh, the awards for the 2020 movies are going to come almost at the five month mark of the next year. <laughs> right. Unbelievable. Right. I mean, I've forgotten most of 2020. What happened? Anything interesting happened that year? (laughs) You know what? I think they uh, obviously this is all COVID related, but I think they pushed it too far. Like, uh, I understand, like, they wanted to give people a little more chance, but once they uh, they changed the rules, I think this is a little ridiculous. But uh, anyway, hey, we should start this off. I'm Steve Haskett. (laughs) I'm Andre Shane, and we are film driven, and we are back in our non-linear format, as it were. Uh, yeah, we're not we're not talking about the films of the '80s. We're talking about the no. films of 2020. Exciting! What a what a great great evolution in uh, in cinema it's been, Steve. Uh, most of the movies we've seen, we've now not even had to bother to go to the movie theater. Just watch it right on your couch. How about Andre, that? do you remember the last movie you saw in a theater? I've been trying to forget the last movie I saw in the theater. Uh, good God, Steve, that's a fantastic question. I think it was something about superheroes. I'm pretty sure it was. I know. Uh, my last one was the whole family went and saw the Pixar movie Onward. Ooh. Uh, what the hell is, is that? Uh, it's about, it kind of takes place in a world with like elves and unicorns and things, but the whole thing is about these uh, two brothers who their dad died and they're kind of trying to resurrect him for a day or something. But for most of the movie, he's just, it's, um, almost like a version of weekend of Bernie's like their dad is literally an animated pair of pants. Hmm. Um, very interesting. It, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's. Obviously, you've never seen it because it's kind of like your kids aren't really in the demographic anymore. It's a solid B-level Pixar movie, meaning that it is better than 90% of other kids' movies, but uh, not cracking your like top 10 of best Pixar movies. But it's all right. Hmm. So uh, I, I feel perfectly fine with that being like, you know, it wasn't like some masterpiece to go out on but it was I, I don't feel shame that that was the final movie i saw i sense i'm I, I vaguely remember a marvel movie of some sort for me steve something with lots of spandex and well or leather whatever it is they wear these, yeah. these days but anyway steve uh uh i guess we have to talk about the films of the year 2020 and what a year it has been in all seriousness uh Kind of made it difficult to get excited about the whole award ceremony thing, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, it 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 is super weird. It's a weird year. I know in reading a lot of like year-end review lists from various critics at the end of the actual year, uh, some of the film critics actually found it a little bit refreshing in the sense that in a normal year, there's a lot more like studio PR, studio pressure, bigger movies, um, you know, not necessarily Oscar contenders, but just, you know, like you said, Marvel movies. And this year, since there was a lot less of that stuff, like all the huge money makers like Marvel and James Bond studios are like, let's hold on to that. Maybe. Right. And so therefore they felt it was a little, just a little bit more of an even playing field that you were free to kind of give attention to everything and see what comes up. Um, but it was a weird mixed bag. I mean, like there's, uh, I don't know. We'll discuss here, but a lot of the movies of 2020, I saw a bunch of stuff that I thought was pretty good, but I didn't see a lot of like masterpieces. I wasn't like, okay, now that we cleared the path, it allowed some genius small movie to rise to the top. And then all the movies I saw, even the ones I liked, I was like, well, that was, that was pretty good, but you know, nothing that like blew me away. What, what about you? Yeah. I, I feel exactly the same way, Steve. I, uh, there were there were no masterpieces and and beyond not being masterpieces there i don't think there's been any film which is to say a feature length movie that entered the zeitgeist you know what i mean like there's no not, not a lot of chatter on stuff going on i mean if you were to really measure the most influential motion picture of 2020 it would be undoubtedly uh tiger king yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there is seriously nothing else. Like I mean is a lot of cooler talk about Nomadland, Steve. I uh, you know, I mean you, you obviously you do talk people do talk about these films and uh the nominated films uh the ones that I saw have all been good, right? Uh but uh but just no nothing great. I don't know if this yeah. stuff is going to be seen in 10 years. Uh, I mean I really it's uh you know, we had a whole podcast about the movie Mank, so we won't go fully into it. If people want to hear us really expound on Mank, go check out the Mank podcast. But I will say the stage was kind of set for Mank to just own everything. Uh, like, it, people were really excited about it. Uh, they were waiting for it to come out, and there was not a lot, like, after it. So it's kind of like if Mank had really been some sort of masterpiece... I feel like it would have just dominated everything. And as it is, I mean, it's nominated for multiple Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor. But, you know, I like a lot of people and, uh, you know, I think you and I are both kind of like we just felt like Mank just really wasn't all that great. So we were we were we were underwhelmed by Mank. Yes. Yes. And I think most people were. I think there's the Mank nomination is almost a a kind of a begrudging nomination. But uh, but uh, I guess we could start with Mank because Mank is nominated for Best Picture. And, uh, you know, I guess that we could just launch right into it. How about that, Steve? We just waste no time. We got Mank. And and what you're saying is that. Mank was underwhelming to you and to everybody else who has seen Mank. Even people who really like Mank seem somewhat underwhelmed by Mank. I've seen uh, a few, like, you know, there's like there's one or two critics I follow who did really like it. And it's hard for me not to think that they just couldn't let go of what they were hoping it would have been. 
<laughs> that uh, I mean, like, I mean, Mank on Paper is exactly the type of movie that should win all the Oscars, right? It's like, possibly it's a, the greatest film ever made. Mank yeah. on Paper. And and David Fincher's a guy who's been around a while. He's kind of flirted with Oscar success, but never won Best Picture. You right. know, so like, here's you know, it's the old stereotype that Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. Right. So. And but then it's like, all right, the stage is set for like Mank's going to win Best Picture, David Fincher's going to win Best Director, it's going to sweep everything. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's going to win any of those awards now. I think everybody's pretty underwhelmed by it, and that right. I actually feel most of the nominees are kind of like, well, it's not bad enough for us to snub it, but I guess here we go. <laughs> Right. There, there, there is definitely a sense that there's a kind Mank was kind of begrudgingly put on the list just because of its pedigree and what it's about. And because Hollywood just has to have a movie about Hollywood. Uh, they, you know, they love that stuff. They love seeing themselves portrayed on the film, even if they're portrayed as total bastards. Uh, they, you know, there, there seems to be that vibe and, uh, Mank, I think is it. I think uh, I foresee uh, technical awards for Mank. I foresee best cinematography for Mank. Uh, I foresee best uh, sound mixing or sound uh, recordings. Uh, sound See, editing. I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to win sound or uh, cinematography, but that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think it might. I think it might because it's different enough. Because there's nothing else in the con- in contention that's that like stunningly pow cinematographically, you know, and, and the fact that uh, Mank is black and white, I think has, is going to have enough of that to, uh, to give it the Oscar. We'll see. Uh, We'll see. I thought Mank is a fine looking film, but the sound design, the technical aspect of that is actually extremely interesting. And, you know, being both of us being kind of tech nerds on it, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think they deserve at least that one, you know, if not some other stuff. It's possible the best supporting actress, right? Uh, Samantha. Amanda, uh, Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. Now, um, I she is not expected to win. Um, I will say that she's an actress, you know, who I've seen here and there over the years. And a lot of times have been, I don't know, I didn't dislike her, but we could kind of like, I didn't have strong opinions about her one way or the other. And I thought she was great in this. I mean, I think this is hands down the best thing she's ever done. Um, Agreed. She's great. Yeah. I mean, the woman from Minari is kind of heavily favored to win, Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. um, but she was great. I will give her that. And I don't know, I guess we can talk about this now, but what's really interesting is Mank is one of three best picture nominees that deal with real life historical people and that have controversies over the age of the actors in the movie. Hmm. Uh, in this case, it's Gary Oldman as Mank. And the same thing can be said about the trial of the Chicago seven. And the same thing can be said about Judas and the black Messiah, which is that in all of these movies, some of the main characters are portrayed by actors who are literally decades older than the people right. that are portraying. And I, like Andre, I'm going to go a little bit against the grain that in all these cases, and maybe it's because I'm young enough that I don't have like a personal relationship to these people, but I, it's not that I don't care, but I, I 
don't care all that much about that. Like, I am just interested in, are these people a believable movie character? And so I like, I was kind of alone. A lot of people like really shit on how old Gary Oldman is compared to the real Mank. <laughs> and I didn't, that didn't bother me all that much. And uh, yeah. And Sam, we'll get to these other movies later, but, but it's interesting to me that literally three of the nine movies have this exact problem where I would yeah. read review after review where people were like, this whole thing is bullshit because the actor's too old. That has been uh, an interesting aspect of Hollywood filmmaking for for many, many decades, I would say. You know, there's always been this kind of uh, paradox where once uh, somebody becomes a star to the point where they could carry headline a picture. In other words, they you could the, they could bank on their profitability. Uh, they're usually too old to play most of the parts that are, you know, good for them. So then, yeah, that's been around for a long time. Um, you know, in the case of Mank, I don't think uh, Gary Oldman's age was the problem with his performance. I, I thought he was just miscast, you know, and uh, and he's a genius and everything, but I don't think he ever overcame that element of 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 the process. Uh, the fact that he was older, well, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> in terms of Mank, I, it's just like I, 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 I think it was just badly cast, and they should have cast somebody maybe younger, more American, more Jewish. I don't know. Uh, but whatever. It, they, they went with Oldman, and uh, nah, the results were blah. I mean, as someone who has loved Gary Oldman since the 90s when he was considered, you know, the crazy drunk man of cinema, <laughs> um, I'm kind of charmed that 52 or whatever early 50s Gary Oldman is now apparently has achieved that Meryl Streep level where he's just nominated all the time. Sure. I mean, he's, like, a, he's in his 60s, dude. He's yeah. not in his 50s. Well, it's uh, just funny that so Gary Oldman, who comes out in this movie and every like all the reviews are like, he's way too old, he's miscast, he's not great. And then it comes time for the Oscars, and then and like his fellow actors are like best actor nomination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I love Gary Oldman and I, I don't want to shit on Gary Oldman, but you know, he was miscast. I'm sorry. And that's just that's just how I feel about that film. Uh, well, so but, uh, like I have to say, I'm not sure that Mank's gonna win anything. I actually think it's gonna go home empty handed. We'll see. Okay. But uh Well, you know, again, I think that they did some such interesting things technically on it to give it that sheen of the film from the nineteen forties, you know, without going to idiotic extremes. Like they went the more artificial extremes. They didn't like shoot on 1940s cameras. They didn't use 1940s lenses. They uh, they kind of fudged it in a modern way. But I think they did it very well. And, um, you know, and I think they'll be rewarded for that. But uh, we'll see. You know, we'll, I, I, I think, I suspect you might be correct. Well, should we move to the should we move to the favorite? Have you seen Nomadland, Andre? I have seen Nomadland, uh, and uh, I like Nomadland. Nomadland is a cool movie. It's uh, you know it's thoughtful. It's uh, kind of deep. It's uh, uh, beautiful. 
Uh, it's contemplative. It's slow. It's certainly not for everybody. Uh, it's a very, it feels like a very low budget movie. I mean, uh, and, but uh, it it's impactful, even though there's really nothing in it that is that surprising. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm yeah. not... The biggest surprise for me of Nomadland is that it was directed by a young woman from China who specializes in modern day Westerns. Like that to me <laughs> is the most surprising element of Nomadland. Like it's good, but there was no like wow moments in it. It was consistently good and thoughtful and thought provoking. And uh, I don't know, insightful about elements of what it was about certainly but again i mean i don't don't feel completely enlightened my view on people who live that lifestyle is no different than it was before i saw nomadland um what do you think about it so i just saw it recently i will say um I I have mixed thoughts about it i'd like to see it again it really struck me as a movie out of all the things I saw this year, that's maybe one of the top of the list that I wish I had the theater experience that I actually kind of wish I saw that movie in kind of a closed environment where you're Mm -hmm. not interrupted by, you know, like your kid gets up to go to the bathroom or, you know, your phone buzzes or whatever. Yeah. Because Um, it's very deliberate. It's that kind of a movie. It wants, it wants you to kind of drown it in its uh, milieu in its uh, environment and it's, yeah. World. And it's, it's certainly well done and it's beautiful in places. Um, it, it made me actually reflect on how it's a type of movie that I've come to terms with. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of where someone makes a fictional movie, but more or less treats it like a documentary. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, there's, there's not a lot of plot, in Nomadland. I mean, it's basically meant to kind of like reflect on the life of these people and the life of the country. But, you know, there's not a lot of incidents or, you know, you could even argue that the main character Fern, I mean, you get to spend a lot of time with her, but like she doesn't necessarily have a goal. No, she's not on a mission. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess I, in watching it, it made me reflect on how like, I enjoy documentaries and then I enjoy stories. Right. And I'm not as into this kind of like in between thing. Um, But I mean, it is, it's committed to what it does. It does it well. You know, the movie famously has a lot of non actors Mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. I actually think um, like some of the actors, three of the main nomads in it. um, There's the guy, the kind of bearded guy. Right. And uh, then there's the woman who's dying. Right. And then there's kind of the first woman who befriends Fern. And mm-hmm. I thought all of those people, like, I guess I have not read the nonfiction book on which it's based, but all those people are in the book. Right. And they, uh, I thought they all acquitted themselves pretty well. Like for yeah. non-actors who are given, I mean, some of those people have basically monologues in the movie. They do. They do. And, and, uh, and I thought they did just fine. You know, like I was actually kind of, impressed at that because i've seen whenever i see actors interact with non-actors it's Uh i I get the deal that sometimes you know the filmmakers are like we're going for realism we should cast some of these people but it's like you're better off if you if you find somebody in your locale 
that actually has a little bit of like actorly inclinations, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause then when you cast just like any old local, you know, they're, they're really stiff and it's a problem. And, right. uh, and the only time I really noticed that were in the really smaller roles. Like there's stuff where like Francis McDormand was like, you know, paying for her storage locker and I'm like, oh, this guy she's interacting with is never you know, like he's not an actor. Not an actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I thought that worked pretty good. And I will also say, I mean, like, I I've always liked Frances McDormand, but she is one of those actors who she really can just carry the movie. Like right. I was delighted to spend two hours staring at her thinking about what she's thinking watching her like that was a pleasurable movie experience and if it was somebody else it maybe wouldn't work but with her you're just she's so empathetic and relatable as an actress that you just you're like well there are worse ways to spend your movie going two hours you know yeah no she she's she's great you know she she's got that thing they call movie star you know i mean you can kind of kind of follow her and even though like she's as far from glamorous in this film as it's possible to be basically in a film um you know she she you just can't take your eyes off of her and uh you buy her as a character you buy her in that environment and and you know what you were saying earlier about like the documentary approach like i i have to say it took me about 15 minutes to get past that like at first I'm, i started watching it and i was like yeah that whole like documentary like it's kind of a fake documentary i guess it's gonna have a storyline like why why not just do a documentary like who needs this you know but after 15 minutes i got into it and and i didn't think that anymore and i got kind of got drawn to these characters and to her specifically and just uh you know the nature of travel and you know i just you know the movie makes you reflect on that stuff and and i guess that makes it really cool like I was saying it didn't blow me away in any major way, but it gave me a lot to think about on the lifestyle of these people and what it means to move and what it means to the sort of the soul of this country and what this country was founded on. I mean, in a way, the movie's a Western. I Certainly others have said it; it's a Western, but... Uh, you know, it, it in many ways it kind of feels like a Western. Like I could, there there are similar movies about these type of characters about people who are incapable of settling down, and these movies are done in Western, in a Western setting with Western trappings, right? But they are about similar things, and um, and this movie kind of kind of went for that and it even had like little miniature homages to like john ford for example and uh, i appreciated that and she was kind of a cool cowboy at the center of the whole thing except she was a you know 60 year old cow woman yeah and it the movie i also appreciated it was um you know compared to a lot of the other movies on the list it, it wore its politics a lot more subtly and it did a pretty good job about presenting these people of like the lifestyle they live. Obviously their economic situation was a factor in it, but the movie did not present it as if like all these people are like, woe is me. I wish this wasn't the case. Yeah. It wasn't about social injustice. It, it certainly, you know, presented a, uh, 
segment of society that lives way below what we call the poverty line. And, uh, uh, and that's interesting in itself. And there's, there's some things in there where they, you know, they, they, they have, uh, some, you know, some interesting things to say about, you know, uh, the capitalist society, but, uh, you're right. It's, it's, it's all right. And, and I also like how many decent human beings are in this film. You know, like if you think about it, like there's, there's basically not a single asshole in the movie. Like everybody in the film is not perfect, but they're, they're okay. They're all right. They, they, they're willing to help their fellow man. Uh, and, and that's an interesting approach. It's kind of, it's, it's an optimistic thing. It, it, uh, it's, it's not as cynical as something from the seventies probably would be, you know, on the same subject matter. Right. Uh, and, and I appreciated that as well. I mean, shit, the more I'm talking about Nomadland, the more I think I like it. Yeah, I I had a little bit of a disappointing initial reaction to it, but it's one I'm kind of interested in revisiting and seeing what I think about it. And uh, which is a sign you could say of a good movie. Yeah, yeah, I could see myself rewatching this. I I totally agree. Like, I'm not sure how many times I want to watch Mank or some of the other films we're going to talk about on this list. But, uh, you know, with Nomadland, I'll give it another spin. And I, I agree, it would be a good cinema going experience just because you know the vistas just because like uh it it shows the landscape beautifully you know yeah i mean i i think this is what i think is going to win for cinematography especially if Mm -hmm. it wins best picture that i think they'll give it to it which is kind of interesting it's kind of a young guy the cinematographer is actually the uh the boyfriend partner of the film director Mm -hmm. and uh so they kind of had a little team going there um I mean, I will say, like, as a little snide remark, I remember joking with friends when, like, Dances with Wolves won Best Cinematography that were kind of like, yeah, it's fucking gorgeous out there. Go put your camera on a tripod and just pan it left to right. And people are like, go have a smoke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, but this movie had a wide variety of landscapes. I mean, like, some of the landscapes were, like, super kind of bleak and uninviting. And then there are times where she's, like, at the ocean or among the redwoods. and right. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful film. And, uh, and, uh, again, I I like it the more I think about it. So, Well, back into, yeah, back into Oscar uh, (laughs) prognosticating mode. I mean, like, it is favored to win Best Picture. I kind of hope it does. Uh, again, I won't have any, if it wins, I think that would be, I would be just fine with that. Um, Francis McDormand, I'm kind of interested a lot, you know, depending on where you read, a lot of people think she will win. Um, I kind of think she won't just in the fact that she's won two best Oscars, you know, like she's just two best actress Oscars. One of them was just a couple of years ago for like a far worse movie. Um, so I don't know. I would think she would not win, but, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's I think Nomadland is going to take home several trophies on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I I, I feel I feel that as well, and um, that's good. I'm happy. I'll be happy with with any of that. Absolutely, I'll be absolutely satisfied, as possibly satisfied as I can be. Yeah, uh, you know, with I mean, under the, under real the circumstances. Cool. Real quick on the best actress thing. I have not. Have you seen the Billie Holiday movie? Because I have not. No, I have not seen the Billie Holiday movie. And uh, and I want to see it because, I. first of all, I heard it's very good. And second of all, I love Billie Holiday. Yeah. 
So I haven't so. seen that. I know that woman has a lot of buzz. I will say, I know we've both seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is not nominated for Best Picture. Not but, nominated for Best Picture. But Why Viola, Viola Davis is nominated for Best Actress. And it's one of those, when I saw the movie, I didn't think she would be nominated. I don't fully know why, but now that she is... I'm kind of rooting for her just because that's a crazy performance. It's a crazy I mean, performance. Like, you cannot take your eyes off her in any scene. I, you know, it's a very, very weird thing to me that, um, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit surprised because like how many nominees for best picture are this year? So there's, there eight. is like what? There's eight. eight. There's eight nominees and, and they, do the, they've gone as high as 10 before, right? Correct. I'm really questioning a couple of these nominations and I'm questioning why Ma Rainey's Black Bottom wasn't nominated. Like, is it too theatrical? Like, what do you think? Like it's nominated for a lot of stuff. Uh, I really love the film. It's really theatrical in a sense that it's, you know, it's adapted from a stage play and it's big. All of its performances are big and theatrical, but it's a cool movie. It's a tight movie. It's an exciting movie. Um, it's an emotionally moving movie. It's a intellectually honest movie. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Like, yeah, I'm why wasn't it nominated? Uh, Structure-wise, it flows like a play. But yeah. I mean, it it really is a movie. I mean, there's like cool camera movements and things like that. Yeah, like, it's yeah, it's yeah. not just a a filmed play. Right. I mean, well, they didn't open it up or anything like that, but it's a, it's a story that takes place in a friggin' recording studio. So, yeah. you know, they opened it up a little bit, I suppose, but you know, for the most part, it stays true to what it is. But, but again, like, you know, it, I don't know. That seems to be a weird snub to me. That, that one kind of, kind of rubs me the wrong way. I know there's, there's a lot of talk on the, the five bloods being snubbed, uh, the Spike Lee film, but, um, I, I think that movie's terrible. So I, I think terrible. It's, you know, wow. Yeah, I think it's terrible. <laughs> it's it's I think it's like you know laughing laughingly bad. But that's wow. just me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but and that's why I think it wasn't nominated. I, I, honestly, because so much of it was just just a complete shit train wreck. Interesting. But, yeah, uh, I actually like that movie. Okay, I don't think it's one of Spike's best, but I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, it is interesting. He went. He tried some shit. There's, I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to say that this is a work of a cowardly filmmaker. I am just saying that the stuff that he tried didn't really work. And 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 I think that's why it wasn't nominated. I mean, even the, like Delroy Lindo, who whose performance was highly touted when the film came out, even he did it wasn't nominated. And that yeah. that's a little, you know, and maybe should have been. But uh, that's a surprise to me. But I think between this and Ma Rainey's, you got like major works by African-American filmmakers that do not make the list. And I'm not trying to imply anything about the Oscars. I just think like in 2021, when the Academy is like, it, you know, instigating these like pseudo draconian equity rules for their, their nominated films, it's bizarre that, you know, two major ones get, you know, kind of snubbed one, you know, Ma Rainey's gets a lot of acting nominations, deservedly so, but you know, no best picture for whatever reason. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, and, I'm with you. I enjoyed Ma Rainey better than several of the movies on the best picture nominees list. And yeah, uh, yeah. so we'll see. I mean, Chadwick Boseman, Boseman is a heavily favored, I think, to win best actor. Yeah, and it's yeah. a little bit of a, you know, it's it, it's a bit of a sympathy vote. Sure. Um, 
That said, I mean, it's not my favorite Chadwick Boseman performance. Um, it's what actually, is your favorite Chadwick Boseman performance, Steve? Well, you know what's kind of interesting is I really enjoyed him in The Five Bloods. That, <laughs> well, Touche. Well, what's really interesting about him in that movie is it really cemented his status as movie star, where... You know, that movie is structured about these four guys and they before you meet his character, they talk a lot about how there was this guy who was like the sergeant in their platoon. He was the leader of their group and he died in Vietnam, you know, and they're all coming back to try and find where he died. And but they, right. so it's like this character that's built up as like, oh, this heroic guy. And then when you see the first flashback and it's Chadwick Boseman, first of all, you're like, oh, of course. <laughs> and he and he just effortlessly does it, you know, <laughs> like like yeah. it was I mean, obviously he's been in Black Panther and other like big movies. But in that movie, it just made perfect sense that like Chadwick Boseman was the charismatic leader figure that all these guys looked up to. Right. And I right. thought he just did it effortlessly. Like it was a great movie star performance. Right. Where like within you know, a minute you're like, Oh, I get why this guy's the leader who they all fond over. That right. makes, of course. He gets um, so little to do in that film, man. It's, it's a shame. Like, like I actually wish he had been in the movie a lot. Yeah. More. <laughs> I mean, I will <laughs> but, say but he just wasn't Yeah, uh, like, so, like in Ma you know. Rainey, it's similarly to the sympathy award, but it's so hard for me to separate knowing what you know about his death and passing you know, I saw the movie after yeah. that. Yeah. And so then knowing that, like, I think he's very good in that movie, but it's really hard to watch that movie and not notice that, you know, he looks thin. Right. And now you're like, oh, he looks like that because he was dying of cancer. Right, right. Well, you know, I thought he looked thin in Black Panther, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, you, you know, I... Anyway, I, I I just thought that that was the you know that that was his kind of default weight because prior to that I saw him like the the, the movie I saw him in before that the major one was uh, the James Brown story yeah was it called Get On Up he was I really so, good yeah. but it was it was yeah. kind of a smaller film you know so it was like a James Bond uh, Brown biopic and uh, uh, he was James Brown and he was you know he doesn't look like James Brown at all but he was real good I like. You know, it was one of those performances, like, after a while, the fact that he didn't look at all like James Brown was fine, because he did an awesome job in, in acting. But anyway, I, I agree that Chadwick Boseman is probably going to win, and, uh, you know, I thought he was fantastic about Rainey. I thought he was very moving. I thought, he was. I thought, it's not like, like yeah. He was powerful, I thought. Yeah. You know. Uh, and so. that's also, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm late to the party. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to this who make fun of me, but like, it's only been in the past, like five years that I've ever seen an August Wilson play. And, mm -hmm. uh, both through my work and in movies, I've now seen like five August Wilson plays. And, mm -hmm. uh, guess what, Andre August Wilson's really fucking good. <laughs> and uh, every yeah. time I see an August Wilson play, he's one of those, like the way he writes dialogue and just the interactions of his characters. I just like, I, he's one of those writers that I almost don't give a shit about the plot. I just want to hang out with these people. Like <laughs> I just, well, well, some of them are nasty, but I just mean like, I just enjoy <laughs> listening to them all 
banter with each other and that's uh yeah so so yeah Monterey, kudos I, to august wilson the yeah. movie that was not nominated yeah but uh, you should but, check that out and i don't know if she'll win but uh i my i my rooting interest is for viola davis for best actress all right well uh moving on uh, did you see the movie the father i did not did you see that no I didn't all right see the there father. we go there's nothing. What can we say? Can we can we bullshit? Can we pretend we saw the father? What is it about? Is it about a father? <laughs> I'll tell you exactly the two the reason about the father. So the father, I went to watch it, and then I saw it's one of those movies that's currently playing in some theaters. So for me to watch the father would cost me twenty dollars, and I said I'm gonna wait. Yeah, yeah, I I hear you. What 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 what's the deal with the father? Is like Anthony Hopkins? Is it is in it? And I believe he has uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, Alzheimer's. Okay. I think cool. so. All right. I, I actually hear it's very moving, and I hear that Anthony Hopkins is great. And uh, it also... I mean, he's always great, right? I mean, he's freaking He's great. not. Well, okay, so that's an interesting. My really brief Anthony uh, Hopkins bit is that... So, you know, I like a lot of people, he's been around in this and that, and then he really... He was in the silence of the lambs, which I thought he was as great in that as anybody else. Um, but then, you know, you and I have talked probably off pod about, he made several other Hannibal Lecter movies and he's kind of worse and hammy in every one. Right. Like by, by the end, he was so hammy that it almost made you like retroactively feel bad about praising the silence of the lambs. <laughs> I mean, like, can you think of a worse? I never went that far, but uh, I mean, can you yeah. think of a worse thing to say about an actor? Like, wow, you did such a shitty job in this movie. It made me like second guess that I ever thought highly of you. But right. I, I feel like he became one of those guys who he would just show up and not do a lot. And people would just treat him like he was a great actor. And so I'd see him in things and always be like, not that he was bad, but just not impressed and then oddly enough, there's a Shakespeare adaptation that Julie Tamer did called Titus, based on the Shakespeare Titus. play Titus Andronicus. Yeah. Titus and Andronicus. He is so good in that. Yeah. That it really makes you be like, oh, well, clearly you were just cashing checks in yeah. these other roles. Right. Because he's so good in that that you're just like, oh, this is what it's like when you're trying. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. You can only try so much, but, but I think in the case of Anthony Hopkins, uh, you know, like even even a small effort from Anthony Hopkins is pretty damn good. And and it's funny, man. I, I you know, it's like I, I know what you're saying. And there was a period where I thought he was it, right after the Science of the Lambs, as a matter of fact, where I felt like he was kind of coasting and trying to do franchise pictures and, you know, playing the boss in Mission Impossible and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, uh but, you know, he's always Anthony Hopkins. He always brings a lot to the table to me. I, you know, I've always been obsessed with Anthony Hopkins. I don't know if I've shared this with you, Steve. As a small child, I, didn't know this, I, yeah. I, saw, I saw a little made-for-television movie called The Bunker. And The Bunker was, as you would probably expect, was a movie about the last days of Adolf Hitler. And Hitler was played by none other than the young Anthony Hopkins. Tony, they called him then. No, I'm just yes. joking. They still called him Anthony Hopkins. Uh, and uh, man, he was phenomenal. And uh, you know, I just fell in love with that Hitler. And uh, and I've been a fan of Anthony Hopkins ever since. And uh, 
So I try to catch him in other movies. Like he did this weird movie uh, called Magic. I don't know if you're familiar. He plays like a ventriloquist who loses his mind and starts projecting himself onto, guess what? His dummy. Uh, And uh, that's a cool and super creepy movie. And it's really like before the star, the icon that Anthony Hopkins became later on. And um, I mean, he was great. He he was just always friggin' great. And then you see like older movies with him, like the lion in winter when he's real young, like in the late sixties. And, uh, and he's great in that too. It's like, he, he just arrived fully formed as an actor. It seems like Uh, I even like him in the, in the Thor movies. Like, I think he's pretty good in those. So it's impossible to know, but I will say that I think, especially lately, and I've heard Anthony Hopkins talk about this directly. He said that he feels like his career is coming to an end because of his age, and he is committed himself to doing the best possible work possible. That was a little redundant, but you know what I'm saying. He committed himself to being the best damn Anthony Hopkins he can be, and uh, that's pretty exciting. And I think he's been on that that track because he was nominated for best actor last year too, right? For the two popes. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think like he's kind of refocused or whatever's going on. I don't know. All I know is that during the pandemic, I, I, I started following Anthony Hopkins on, uh, uh, on Facebook and, um, his posts were so fucking weird, Steve. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that he switched from his preferred uh, drug of choice, hard liquor, to uh, mushrooms. I'm pretty sure that that's what's going on in the world of Anthony Hopkins. And, uh, you know, it's it seems to be working. I support They're just late giving him Oscar nominations. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. God bless. More power to Sir Anthony Hopkins. But at some point, maybe we will watch The Father. I'm not promising. Sorry. <laughs> that's right. So that's a, that's a lot on a movie we haven't seen, I guess. The, other, well, so the, the well, only other movie I have not seen on the list is uh, Minari. Have you seen that movie? Nah, damn it. I have not seen Minari, Steve. I, I was hoping you'd see Minari. Uh, I was Min- too. So maybe we'll, glitz, we'll just gloss over Minari. All I will say right. about Minari is uh, I, I've heard it is an emotional movie. Um, uh, I have heard it is very relevant to um, there are Asian American critics I follow who are like, this movie is very accurate to my experience. Mm-hmm, uh, I, mm-hmm. I am not an Asian American, so I, I can only repeat things I've read, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I've not seen Minari. Um, the woman who plays, I think the grandmother is ha- kind of favored to win best supporting actress. And, uh, I will say that the best actor nominee, Stephen Yoon, Stephen Yoon. Yes. I believe um, that's. I have liked him in other movies. He was really good in a movie I liked from uh, last year called from 2019 called Burning. Uh, hmm. If you've never checked out Burning, it's a Korean film. It's a little bit of a weird psychological crime movie that uh, I highly recommend. Uh, hmm. It's, you know, it's Korean. It's got subtitles, but it's, it's not, you know, it, it's a narrative movie you can follow. It's uh sure. Well, Korean out. movies are great. I mean, Korea has been like, world yeah they've been kicking ass friggin yeah. movie makers uh for the past you know almost two decades so yeah. it's uh it's uh you know saying it's a korean movie is like a you know it's almost a guarantee of quality uh, yeah. and steven yoon i i've only seen him in the walking dead honestly and uh and uh he was 
he was very good on that show and you know and a good actor can sometimes become a great actor given the right parts and in this case i think he was one of the producers so i think he was one of the people you know was responsible for getting this movie made so more power to steven yoon again yeah so i i haven't seen minari but i congrats on his nominee because i like him in general and uh I mean, the one of the other like dark horse candidates to win Best Actor is Riz Ahmed in a movie I know we have seen, Andre, which is Sound mm-hmm. of Metal. The Sound of Metal, yes, yes. Riz Ahmed, uh, I you know I I would think he's uh, he's definitely a front runner, uh, and uh, he was fantastic. He he really gave a great performance. Did you like the picture? I did. Uh, Sound of Metal is totally one of those movies that uh, I liked it. I thought it was of it was good. It was of high quality. Nothing about it blew me away. It is one of those movies that um, I mean, this could just be a testament to how many movies you and I watch. But I I knew everything that was going to happen in that movie. I felt like ten minutes before it happened. Like I just yeah. kind of saw the whole like okay. Now's the scene where he starts to lose his hearing and now's the scene where he goes to this and now's the scene where things are going good, but then he's going to second guess it. And now's the scene with the old girlfriend. Like, I don't know. So I was a little bummed out that I just saw the whole structure of it laid out. Right, right, right. But Um, but I mean, I kind of felt that way about Nomadland too, you know, like I knew what the beats were going to be, you know, but, but, you know. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if that fact in, in, like interfered with my enjoyment of it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, good pick, good film though. Right. I mean, overall, I, I yeah. agree with you, but it, it's, it's a good film that explored, didn't try to be overly clever. It's, it was a movie about a very specific thing. It was about a guy losing his hearing and really it was a movie about losing your hearing and coming to terms with you know, with that, with that unbelievable loss, I mean, most of us can't even imagine it, you know, uh, it, it's such a, it, it, it's such a stunning, stunning loss, you know, for people to go completely deaf. It's a horrifying, horrifying feeling, I'm sure. And the movie expressed that beautifully. And, you know, and that makes it kind of a movie for our time in a way, you know, it's really about this, you know, it's, it's, it's about experiencing horror at a life changing event. Right. And, 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 and a lot of movies don't explore that subject because it's very uncomfortable, but, um, uh, that movie definitely went there. It explored like the, you know, the blow by blow emotional impact of losing your hearing when your job depends on your hearing, right. Uh, your entire identity depends on your hearing in the case of this character right so you know i thought the movie was very effective in that and in fact it was so effective i had to stop watching it after about half an hour and then get back to it and finish it later because it was it was unnerving you know it 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 friggin it kind of freaked me out but but again i think that in many ways it 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 makes it the movie of our time it and in a sense we're all all going through loss right in a it weird was all, way. It's a really well done movie. It is, you know, sometimes whenever I hear a movie's good, I try to then like stop finding out about it, you know, like just mm-hmm. like, okay, this movie's supposed to be good. I don't want to read any more about it. I just want to watch it. Right. And unfortunately, maybe with Sound of Metal, I just, 
I heard too many raves about it. So then by the time I finally saw it, it's kind of like anything short of a masterpiece. I'm going to wind up disappointed, right. but it was really well done. Um, it also has like, he's not just going deaf, but he's going deaf and he's an addict. And yes. normally that would be like way too, like it's like a hat on a hat. That's too much for a movie, you know, that in other filmmakers hands, that would be really hacky. And I actually thought they did a great job of that, that it just yeah. presented it as like part of this guy's challenge and a unique challenge. But then, you know, it's just something he deals with, like the way he deals with the loss of hearing. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I thought all that was really well done. Uh, the acting's great. Um, the guy who well, plays his mentor, Paul, I think it's pronounced Reese. Mm-hmm. I think Chicago, so. Chicago native is uh he has an out. There's a chance he might win Best Supporting Actor for that movie. And this is, is he the movie. A deaf actor? Is he? Is he, is is he actually no. deaf? No, he is not. I mean, he he's he's really good in the movie, but you know, it's Riz Ahmed's film. You know, it completely revolves around his performance, and a lot of it is silent. You know, a lot of him is just kind of reacting uh, to things. He's yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty staggering uh, performance. And, uh, you know, he's really good at showing fear. Like one of the things that he was, that made him so good in that HBO series he did, uh, was it last night? Was that the name of the series where like, like he was dealing with this kind of like horrible life-changing event, uh, and like every second of it, he was in utter terror and, and he brings some of that to this character as well. Right. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, th- just a horror of what he's going through. Um, he's, he's awesome. He might win best, best actor too. Yeah. I think he's got a good chance. You know, he's got a good chance. I just going back. I think all of them are going to lose to Chadwick Boseman. So it's, okay. uh, it's no like commentary on any of the quality of their work, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I probably agree, but you know, on words, what what else can we say, Steve? Uh, but uh, Sound of Metal, Sound of Metal is a good picture. But you know, it again, is. Sound of Metal is a small picture, and 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 that's sort of I think a lot of complaints about this year is that there's there's the big movies that we consider Hollywood, the, and by big I don't mean these franchise pictures. I mean you know movies, uh, period pieces, and 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 large biopics and stuff like that. They are completely missing from this list, and it's funny like people are kind of like going like, what the hell kind of Oscar year is this? You know, we don't have any kind of big biopic or big historical drama well, I mean, or you, something you, British. See, it's really know? interesting you say that because we do have the biopics and the historical dramas, but they're just, they seem on just a smaller scale. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You're, I mean, the trial of Chicago seven and, and, uh, Judas and, the Blind Messiah, yeah. and yeah. Mank, all of those are, True. Uh, True. uh, both historical and about our real people. But and and yet I feel that all of these films, Steve, I I don't think they're going to be winners. I think they're all. Um, I, I, there's something slight about every one of these these films that you just mentioned that are nominated, and and I think that's that's what's. Uh, I think that's what's throwing a lot of people a little bit, you know, like they're, they're kind of smaller than life rather than larger than life. But what's interesting, what's interesting is, and I've kind of come around on this a little bit is that, you know, we, you and I are always critical of the, uh, the nomination process and the entire concept, frankly, I mean, we're kind of 
you know, lampooning it pretty, pretty much on a yearly basis. But, but, uh, you know, we often say like, hey, you know, I want to see more personal cinema. I want to see smaller movies, you know, about smaller things and, and just stuff that's, that just, kind of more impactful and insightful. And this year we actually have some movies like that, you know, so maybe it's not such a bad year. I do want to talk about some of these movies, though, these kind of flawed ones. Sure. Uh, let's start with, you've seen Judas and the Black Messiah? I have not seen Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay, so Judas I'm and bad, the Black Messiah. I'm bad, Steve. I, I, it's amazing I've seen all the ones that I have seen. It's only due to, <laughs> uh, to, to the ability to watch them on TV. And well, I couldn't even manage that. Judas and the Black Messiah is a, uh, it's available. It was on HBO Max for a little bit for me. Yes. And uh, it, again, it's uh, it's not terrible. It's okay. Uh, my biggest, it's another one of those movies that is heavily critical for the casting that, you know, one of the main things about Fred Hampton is that Fred Hampton was, I think, only 21 when he died. He was very young. Mm-hmm. And, in the movie, he's, of course, portrayed by Daniel Kaluuya, who's like 38 and so like significantly older than uh, Fred Hampton. I mean, right. now, I didn't I didn't have a personal relationship with Fred Hampton, so I just had to deal with him as a movie character. Uh, right. And I will say my biggest problem with Judas and the Black Messiah is it really does a poor job of giving like why this guy was such a threat. I had the same problem with this movie that I had with the portrayal of Malcolm X in the movie One Night in Miami, which uh, got a lot of praise. It's not nominated for Best Picture, but mm-hmm. and I compared it to like Spike Lee's Malcolm X movie, and in Spike Lee's movie, he does a really good job of presenting Malcolm X as both a charismatic figure, but also kind of a menacing figure, especially to like to certain segments of society, you know, to white that, people. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, and specifically to white people in charge that Malcolm X did not shy away from like seeming threatening, but then the movie presented him as like threatening. And when you watch Judas and the Black Messiah, there's nothing at all about Fred Hampton that makes him seem at all like he seems like a local community organizer Mm -hmm. who's not even particularly militant. So the idea that like the FBI and the Chicago police would conspire to murder this man seems a bit absurd. And uh, so you don't really get that. I mean, I will say one of the critiques of the movie too, is it's largely, it's kind of presented from the point of view of uh, the Judas figure. (laughs) Right. Lakeith Stanfield. Mm -hmm. Like in the last temptation of Christ. Yeah, kind of. And, uh, and so, but it's not as good. yeah, it doesn't do as good a job about really laying out that guy's dilemma. Um, but Lakeith Stanfield's nominated. I like him in general. My uh, my hot take is Lakeith Stanfield is almost the new Steve Buscemi, a guy who's like <laughs> this skinny guy who's kind of whiny, but is actually has a lot of uh, versatility in his performances. Like he can be like kind of a weak figure, but he could also be kind of a like a menacing figure or, or at least I should say a figure that can cause damage. Right. Um, but yeah, that's Judas and the black Messiah. I, I felt kind of a missed opportunity there. I was really underwhelmed by it. So uh, I know you don't have much to say about it, but I don't think it's going to win. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I don't think it's a, 
overlooked masterpiece. Uh, right, but, right. But what about, uh, I think you have seen The Trial of the Chicago 7, correct? I have seen The Trial of the Chicago 7, Aaron Sorkin, you know, a big cast. Uh, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it. But again, I, I at no point was I thinking, wow, masterpiece. At every second I was watching it, I was thinking, oh, it's like a made-for-TV docudrama about the trial of the Chicago 7. You know, I mean, that's that's what it felt like to me. Uh, everybody was good. It was entertaining. You know, Sorkin's always a kind of a snappy writer. So the dialogue's always crackling. You know, I learned some things. I don't know how accurate it is. Of course, I mean, all of these movies, you know, always change stuff and uh, mess with reality and mess with character. But, you know, everybody was good. Uh, I did not think Sasha Baron Cohen was like unbelievable or anything like that. I thought he, he did an all right acting job. I think, I, could I not imagine another actor in that portrayal? That's not true. I could imagine a lot <laughs> of other actors doing a much better job than Sasha Baron Cohen did. But, uh, you know, but- I mean, uh, that- yeah, that movie to me is one of those movies where the expectations game went the other way, where by the time I saw it, I uh, I had read a lot that a lot of people I respect think that movie is just like a complete bucket of shit, like just a disaster. And so I threw it on one night in prep for our podcast, kind of one of those nights where I was kind of tired and fully expecting to like, maybe I'll watch an hour of this and then watch the other hour tomorrow. Or if it's as shitty as everybody says, I'll just turn it off. And uh, I actually watched the whole thing. I uh, thought it flowed just fine. Uh, I thought the ending was pretty terrible um, and schmaltzy. So the ending, I was like, oh, maybe maybe the reason people gave it such bad reviews is because the ending left such a bad taste in their mouth. Um, but it's certainly like it flows just fine. It gives you a good sense of what happened. I, you know, as somebody who only knew the vaguest outlines of that time, it was kind of interesting to me. Uh, the court case was interesting. Um, you know, like historical figures who I knew their name in passing, but didn't know a lot about like, you know, it presents Jerry Rubin as kind of an entertaining figure. Right. Like uh, he's kind of the comic foil. I will also say, Andre, oddly enough, this may be the only Eddie Redmayne performance I have ever liked. <laughs> he's really good, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, li I like him kind of as a straight and narrow guy. I mean, you know, again, they kind of, you know, like, they fudged. They fudged with all of the characters. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, I, mean, I at least everything. I yeah, I don't know like what his character is like in real life, but I just bought it. Like I, I got the concept of this like kind of put together ambitious young guy who's frustrated by the more like hippie-ish elements, but also right. still has that kind of like young, doesn't know quite as much as he thinks he does. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, mm. I, I bought all that. I also love John Carroll Lynch as uh, yeah. David. Uh, he was great. I mean, He's my always... favorite line in the entire movie is when they go to bail out Eddie Redmayne's character. I'm um, Hayden. <laughs> Yeah, they go to bail him out from jail, and you know Abby Hoffman's like turns to, you know David. And he's like, "Hey, I don't have any. Do you carry any money? I don't carry any money. Do you carry money?" And he's like, <laughs> "Yes, I do. I'm a grown man." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was I remember that was a cute moment. I mean, there's a lot of very entertaining stuff in that movie, you know. So, so uh, like in a lot of Sorkin scripts, and uh, I just wish Aaron Sorkin was a better director but you know whatever it, yeah it it's not it's not the most well-directed movie i mean i will i swear to god every year there's one nominee that you're like forget about worthy of best picture is this movie even good 
<laughs> and uh, and that slot is fulfilled by the trial of the Chicago. Yeah, State. yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, yeah, yeah, watchable, but you know, best picture. It's not going to win anyway. I mean, it'll be interesting if some of the supporting, you know, like who's nominated in the actors category. Is, is Sasha Baron Cohen nominated for this? He's best supporting. Yeah, best supporting. It'll yeah, be it, weird if he wins, man. It'll one be weird. weird development of the Oscars in general is how much they have fallen in love with Sasha Baron Cohen. I mean, like yeah. Borat two's nominated for a bunch of things. That's right, man. The uh, the actress, and she's wonderful in that movie, by the way. But she's she's nominated for best supporting actress. I mean, God bless, but you know, Borat two. I mean, Jesus, talk about mediocrity. I mean, yeah. I'd rather see fucking. I'd seriously rather see Tiger King nominated over that, <laughs> even though it's a documentary. Of course, it's not eligible. But anyway, uh, well, I know we're I know we're running long, but I want to just mention a couple other things. So, uh, you know, the last kind of a, the best picture nominees that I I do want to mention is a promising young woman. Of course, we have is, to mention uh, it. We've yeah. both seen it. Yeah, and that is a uh, to me that's that's kind of a fun, nasty little movie. It is. It is. It's another one of those small what we would call independent cinema films, you know, with a very, very kind of tight point of view. And it's genuinely like off kilter. It's not what you normally see. It doesn't present characters that you expect to see. And, and it's a very, I mean, that movie did surprise me. Like I really, I thought I knew where that movie was going, but I was wrong. And I always liked that. You know, and uh, again, I agree that it is a strange nomination uh, because it is such a, you know, it's it's like a genre film, dude. I mean, it's like a revenge yeah, story. It's, it's like it's I spit much. on your grave, basically. Yeah. You know, and and uh, boy, it's it's interesting, and it and it subverts your expectations. Like you, you don't know what the character's doing a lot of times. You don't know what's actually happening. Like what they did what's up you know what and it all comes together ultimately but it's not very you know it doesn't give you any easy answers and the resolution is not going to leave you happy <laughs> you know it, it'll be uh it's um yeah it's a it's a weird little movie steve for that, sure and that movie must have touched a nerve among people who actually have a vote in the academy i mean it's it's up for best picture best director best actress best screenplay and uh and i i mean i thoroughly enjoyed it it uh it really i guess it's the second movie directed by emerald fennel who's normally a, an actress you know to me it really flowed like somebody's debut movie you know like um, right. among a lot of the directors we admire you would look at that and be like oh this was like the first one wasn't it and uh but yeah it's i don't know what all it's gonna win but I'm kind of charmed just to see it represented so much here. It definitely struck a note. I mean, clearly it struck a note. I will tell you it's an un it's it's unusual because it's uh you know, it's sort of a revenge story, right? It's a it's a well, female it's a re yeah. revenge and, story, a feminist it, revenge story. Sure, it it is all that, but it also plays with a lot of the expectations. I mean, chief among them that Carrie Mulligan is up for best actress, and I think deservedly so. I mean, she gives a really kind of interesting performance where her character is not necessarily likable. Right, absolutely, and that's that's a part of it. And her actions are 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 extremely questionable. And 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 again, like the movie, like twists some things on you. You know, I mean, it, it definitely because we've seen so many male revenge thrillers, right? I mean, 
Jesus Christ, every other film is a male revenge thriller to, to a large extent, right? So we have certain assumptions with these movies, and we kind of have expectations from characters in these movies, and we allow characters to go pretty dark in these movies, right? And with her, like, all of a sudden, like, for some reason, we, we and by we, I mean the audience, right, uh, uh, we look at her in a very, very different way. And, and I think it's an interesting kind of a, it's an interesting social experiment, you know, in a sense, like we're, we're kind of, a, we're applying certain chauvinistic elements to a character like that, right? That sometimes we would not necessarily apply to main male characters. And I think that twist is what makes the movie interesting and kind of special, right? Uh, yeah, it's a good point. We're like, you feel like if it was a male character in her shoes, you'd be more comfortable with that character as just like a force of vengeance. <laughs> For sure, man. Yeah, whereas like with her, a lot of times, you know, there's a point in the film where another character says to her, like, you know, literally says you should get over it. And right. it is like a lot of the movie is presented with the people around, uh, you know, character's name is Cassie. A lot of the people in Cassie's lives, they're really wishing that she could heal. And like, right. the, you know, and uh, whereas like, you know, no, no one's sitting around like there's not a lot of time spent about the people wishing that Bruce Wayne would just like get over his parents' death and yeah. chill out. You yeah. Yeah. Just that with that whole the, the the night excursions and the rubber suit, it's like yeah. it's just it's it's not normal, Bruce. It's just not right. Just just move on. But nobody says that to him for the most part, right? Uh, and we accept certain things from him, but uh, and that's not he's not even a really really bad one, as weird as he is, right? I mean, there's considerably darker revenge stories in modern cinema, right? Um, yeah. And uh, and this one, you know, turns turns the table on on a lot of that in uh, uh, in kind of a feminist uh, way, which is yeah, again, and cool, I, I, and I think that strikes a chord too. And I will say, like you know, one thing I don't necessarily say this movie's better than Nomadland or Sound of Metal, but one thing that yeah delighted me over those movies is I did not know where it was going. Like yeah. it had several moments. It was much I'm more like, surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so it was I, also more plot driven. You know what I'm saying? It was, yeah. it was more plot driven than either of those films. And and and, you know, again, like so now we can kind of look at the entire landscape of the nominations. And I have to say that I like A Promising Young Woman. I like Nomadland uh, and I like The Sound of Metal. And uh, and all of these movies are you know, uh, big contenders. And I haven't seen Minari, but if Minari is more in the vein of those kind of films, which is to say smaller, most more personal films, you know, then we have a pretty solid uh, Oscar race. We'll see what the actual uh, telecast hold for us. Uh, that's probably going to be a shit show. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm, but, no but in terms of nominations, like, <laughs> yeah. you know what? I like this. This is fine. Yeah. So before we go, I just want to mention two other movies that are nominated, but not for not for Best Picture, but uh, two of my favorite movies of the year. And I know you've seen at least one of them. But uh, Andre, did you get a chance to check out that documentary Time? Steve, I have not had a chance to check out Time. My apologies. I, well, I, I, yeah. I, 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 I couldn't find the time. <laughs> well, I, I would just say Time is up for Best Documentary 
picture it's on amazon uh you know it's about this family where uh both the mother and father they robbed a bank and uh, they got caught and then you know the woman did a little bit of time and the man did a lot of time and it's kind of about this family and what it's like to experience having a partner in prison and the legal system and um I highly recommend that movie. It's maybe my favorite movie I saw from 2020. It is, it's a documentary, but it's shot in a very artistic fashion. Uh, it kind of flows more like an art film mm -hmm. and it, yeah, it, it's a virtue expectations in some ways. I mean, one of the most interesting things about it is that it has some critiques of the justice system and the prison system, but it, does the people involved in it admit they did in fact rob a bank? Like they don't feel it's not a story about someone wrongly accused. Right. It's more a story about like, well, what happens then? And right. uh, what, and, uh, but so I highly recommend that movie. Check that out. Uh, the it other seems one seems really cool. Yeah. Yeah. The other one I want to say, which I know you have seen, and I recently saw, which is up for best foreign language film is the Danish film. Another round. Right. Thomas Vintenberg's film, uh, the guy who did the, uh, what is it? What did he do? The Celebration. And uh, he did the Curse movie, which is really good. I highly recommend it. It's called The the Command. Uh, and that's what was The Hunt? Somewhere. Is that the other one uh, I did? And of course, The Hunt, which is another, yeah. which is a, another Danish language film uh, starring his, uh, one of his favorite leading men, uh, Mads Mikkelsen, one of my favorites as well, of course. And this movie is really cool. And uh, I hope it wins. But, you know, I, I honestly have not seen the other nominees in the best foreign foreign language film. So, um, you know, it's hard to just root for the one you saw. But uh, I like now that film a lot. And I'll <laughs> tell you something. If You know, like if you enjoyed uh, Another Round, I think you would enjoy watching it again. That movie has a lot more stuff. Like when you know kind of like its landscape and its tone, there's a lot more stuff to see in there. You know, like you feel like there's a lot of detail packed in it, but you lose it because of the subtitles and, and you know, the foreign setting and the culture, some of the cultural stuff. But, you know, if you try watching it again, it's actually a lot more entertaining. It's funnier. Uh, and um, you notice you know, other subtexts that are going on that are also very, very interesting, but it's, it, you know, it's a cool movie. I guess it's like a pro alcoholism movie, which is an interesting, <laughs> it is interesting, an interesting take. Yeah. I mean, it uh, is a, uh, and it's certainly, it's a version of a uh, midlife crisis movie. Sure. I mean, uh, there's certainly some parts of it that hit a little close to home. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, though, and there's uh, parts of it that kind of remind you of something like uh, the hangover or something like that, too, yeah. you know, in a funny way. But uh, but generally it plays it pretty straight and pretty realistically, which is cool. And uh, and again, it's it's an entertaining film. It's 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 an interesting concept and uh, it's it's handled in a mature uh, and restrained manner. Until the yeah. very end. Uh, <laughs> well, and, but, and Thomas Vintenberg, you know, is nominated for Best Director, which is interesting. Is. And, yeah. uh, and I will say the camera movement in that movie is fantastic. And uh, I'm right. like, I personally am often not a fan of handheld camera work. A lot of times I feel it's kind of overused when people want to make something feel gritty. 
Right. And uh, there's a lot of handheld camera work in this movie, but it all feels very organic. And just the camera movements, great. Like, uh, yeah, just yeah. the way he moves from character to character. I also say Mads Mikkelsen, who I also enjoy, like... It, one of the best things I could say about him is he's a good enough actor to overcome the fact that he's just like so much more handsome than everyone else in the movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. He could tone, tone down his charisma. He's actually very good at that. You know, he could sort of like be very low energy in a movie. So you don't see him and he spends a lot of this movie, low energy. And yeah. Uh, well, it's like, and, I totally believed he was friends with these guys. That sure. Like four friends and, but it's just kind of funny because in a way, like every now and then you look at a scene and it'd be like if there were four friends and like three of them were kind of schlubby and then one of them was Tom Cruise. <laughs> yes. Or 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 even beyond Tom Cruise. You know, one of them is, uh, you know, Cary Grant or somebody like that. It's it's I mean, it's, they uh, did they did at least cast that like I mean, his wife was also gorgeous. Yes. So, like, yes. I found it believable that that was his wife. You know, like, you know, like, Steve. Oh, that's how Denmark is, man. <laughs> that's forty, like forty percent of the population are movie star good looking. That's just that's just how it is in Denmark, man. That's why they're producing some of the best friggin' movie leads in the world right now. Yeah. And uh, but that's another episode. Maybe we should do a an all Danish film episode. I think it's ah. an interesting concept. Uh, we should talk about it. But uh, another round, definitely, definitely good. Be interesting if Vintenberg wins. I don't think he will. But uh, but it's cool that he was nominated. Uh, this movie had a interesting and very troubled uh, production uh, on, on his end uh, because of a personal tragedy. He lost a child, a, a, an adult daughter oh, during that. making yeah. that film. Yeah. It was a terrible tragedy and he essentially just, you know, like right in the middle had to decide whether to just abandon it and grieve or finish the movie and he finished it. Uh, so there's like one of those, you know, stories behind i mean every movie has a story behind the making of it some stories are a little more um, jarring than others and that was definitely one of them uh but uh but yeah steve i i mean again what can i say overall some good good fit pictures in in the in the running this year and um uh you know i feel pretty good about it i'm glad good movies are given their due Yes, I agree. So sorry, we know this is a long one. If anybody's still listening now, thanks for your time. But uh, we're kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's the Oscars. We're going to ramble on about them. Check it out. Uh, we don't have any insights into your Oscar poll because is anybody doing Oscar polls this year? I mean, it's yeah, not like... Nobody cares. Steve. No one's nobody at work. Cares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nobody cares. And it's, again, like with the Oscars, like theoretically people should care because what's more exciting than like live television, even when it's like messed up by this thing where half the people are going to be at home and that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and yes, that does mess that up. But, you know, it's still going to be a live program. Kind of cool. Who knows? Some surprises, you know, I'm sure people will say stupid things. Why not? I guess I'll watch it. But again, promising to see good pictures. I hope next year with all of these goofy ass rules they're imposing on themselves, hopefully we'll have movies of the quality we've had this year. And hopefully we'll get to actually see some of them in the theater. 
That would also be nice. That would also be nice. But I, I think it's going to start happening. It's going to start happening within a few months. So uh, the the question is, what will be the first movie we go see? Like we asked what the last film we saw was. What's oh, going to be the first movie we're going to see? That's I don't a know. good question. I don't know. I'm still trying to remember what the last movie I saw, dude. It, I mean, it, no idea. No clue. I'm going to, I'm going to confer with my assistants on this one see what happens but uh that's all i got for today steve yes i think that's enough yes well we're we're gonna go now uh i'm andre shane i'm steve askin yeah we're out of here 